In this episode of Over the Bonnet, I chat with a man who, more than 50 years after the assassination of JFK, is more than ever convinced there is a conspiracy to cover up the assassination. Stephen Rickett has spent years investigating if Lee Harvey Oswald was a shooter and did he do what was claimed. Over the Bonnet with Mark Peepers. <laughs> well, well, at least the guests are good. You'll never know what happens with the conversation when it's over the bonnet. <laughs> You're kidding me, aren't you? Stephen Rickett, welcome to Over the Bonnet. Thank you. Very nice to be here. Thank you. You're here to talk about 26 seconds, some of the most incredible footage that's been shot ever. JFK's assassination. What's your take on it? <laughs> it happened before I was born. But there's a lot of, when people talk about, you know, conspiracy theories and all that kind of stuff, I was always taught to be investigate things. And so something just didn't seem right to me. And, you know, as I would look at, you know, the, the internet has been a, a, phenom a phenomenal tool that everybody can use. And in that process, I was actually able to look up things like the Secret Service man being told, don't get on that limo. And he's standing there going, why not? So because something's going to happen and you don't know what it is. Okay, so, you know, there's there's got to be something, you know, happening here. And come to find out, the world found out, you know, minutes later exactly what was planned. And so, and, you know, it, w it was, like I said, before I was born. But at the same time, it was something that made me think, you know, it never rang true for me. And eventually, you know, I like to investigate things. And it was like, Everybody has read a book on JFK's assassination. Everybody's watched a video on it. And so it was like, okay, let me sit down and think about it and see what I would come up with if I were, you know, an investigator in those shoes. So what did you come up with when you looked at it? Well, first of all, I saw a bullet that didn't make any sense. And it was the magic bullet that was found at the hospital. And the reason it didn't make any sense to me, and if you look at the picture of it, um, it actually has somebody's tooth mark in it. So they actually bit the bullet pulled the ball out of the round, and it was planted at the hospital. Now, the reason it has lands and grooves on it is it would have been shoved through a, a rifle, and I presume it was shoved through Oswald's rifle. But it was never shot because somebody had pulled it out of the, out of the, uh, the, the round. And, you know, so when you see that and you see the Secret Service guy going, you know, why am I not supposed to be here? And in the United States, I was seeing a video that actually said that there was a woman who was a witness at the hospital, and this woman actually made the declaration, which they didn't want to investigate her. So the woman at the hospital was making her declaration that, um, you know, she saw the presidential lemon, uh, limousine at the hospital and she saw through and through bullet holes in the windshield. And so I went to the available evidence at the time and from the National Archives, and it actually showed a pencil drawing of the original windshield and it showed cracks in the windshield, but it didn't show that there was any evidence of through and through. And so this woman was a, a marksman. So she was an expert marksman or markswoman. Um, and in that she, you know, made the definite clarification. There were holes in the windshield and you could actually see the directions that the bullets were fired from. When did you say that? Let's see. I don't remember the date of her video and she's, she's now passed. 
Um, but at the at the same time, it was it was you know one more of those things in this that okay so the evidence that I saw from the government that you know showed a windshield that didn't have any through and through holes and you know they apparently they had you know swapped the original windshield so and it was like okay so that's fascinating you know and you can't prove where the original windshield is or what it was unless you look at time magazine so time magazine apparently put out because i i was not you know around when they put out the issue um, so they put out a, on the cover of Time magazine a photo, apparently, of the original windshield, and it showed the bullet holes in it. And it was like, well, okay, so what this lady, lady was saying is actually supported by the cover of Time magazine. Okay, so, you know, now we have three pieces that don't line up. When I was in the military, it was, you know, we were taught, you know, weaponry, and, you know, as part of being, you know, an expert marksman, we were actually taught how to fire a weapon and, you know, so things to look for. When I was seeing the photographs of where Oswald was positioned in the building, it doesn't make any sense to me as a person who would be shooting a rifle because their declaration is that he put a box in the window. Okay, well, his point of aim is actually down on the street. Okay, so if he's going to put a box up there, this box is going to be in his way because the photograph actually shows the windowsill and the box are only about this far apart. And so if you're going to try to get your rifle up there and actually look down and see, you know, your target, um, it just doesn't make any sense. So I was trying to find out, you know, it's like, you know, did he shoot the president? And, you know, if he didn't shoot the president, then what else what he, was he there for, you know? And so it was like another piece of evidence that popped up was this man named Teague. And Teague was actually a military service member from the United States as well. And his declaration was that a round hit where he was standing on the concrete and on the curb at the road. And it was like... Was he just watching? He was a spectator, yes. So, and so you know, it's like a lot of people, you know, it's like when somebody goes down the road, hey, let's go check it out. So they run out there and, and they're standing on the side of the road. And at the time, I didn't, I didn't know... You know the layout of the 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 Dealey uh, Square. I didn't know that there was vehicles other than the presidential, uh, you know, limousine and, and uh, Secret Service vehicles and everything. And so as I continued to look, I found more and more photographs. And so I started looking at it. Um, okay, so from that position in that window, you know, where would he, you know, have been shooting? You know, Teague was where? So I I look, you know, and triangulate where he's going to be, and. Okay, so it is plausible that Oswald shot in that, that direction. And if he shot in that direction, what was between Oswald and Teague? And so I look and I find photographs of, of vehicles driving up and down the road there. And so as the presidential motorcade was going by. Ah, okay. So now we have a woman who's saying that there's, a, there's bullet holes on the windshield that go completely through the windshield. Then we're talking about, um, you know, uh, a man standing, you know, in a, in a place where, you know, nobody should have shot um, because it wasn't, you know, a position that, you know, it wasn't the grassy knoll gunman. It wasn't, you know, so uh, it wasn't, uh, let's see, some people said Connolly turned around and shot the president. <laughs> so, and most recently, there's another photograph that surfaced, and this is of a Secret Service member holding uh, what appears to be an M16 in the motorcade, in, in the, the vehicle behind the uh, presidential limousine. But at the same time, I can't buy that that, you know, lines up either. Um, 
you know, it's like there's things in the image that kind of make it look like it's been photoshopped to me. So, and specifically there's three or four or five dots that either this guy fired off a volley of, of rounds, you know, and so you're actually seeing the shells being ejected from the rifle and he's holding it like this. So he's not pointing at the president. So the volley of, of, you know, ammunition would be actually shot into the air. This is the secret service man. The secret service man holding the, the automatic rifle. But at the same time, when you look at the people on the side of the road and the people in secret service vehicles, they're also not looking at where the sound would come from. So that doesn't, you know, once again, it's like, hmm. I want to know why something that happened before you were born has got you so interested. Well, it's just like, you know, people talk about the Bible. You know, it's like, is the Bible real? Is God real? Is the Exodus real? Is Are the people in it real? Are the, it, it, it's one of, just one more of those things but that everybody wants to investigate. We're looking for the truth, seeking the truth. And no matter where the road takes us, because sometimes the road takes us in an uncomfortable position. But why did you get interested in JFK? Oh, it's just one more thing to investigate. Something must have said, okay. Okay, so it's like um, the the situation that we have in the United States is that apparently we have a lot of corruption. And so, uh, and it started about the time of the assassination of JFK, if you just look at it from that perspective of history. But if you go all the way back to the to the origin of our country, you know, somebody can pin something on something, you know, whether it's an idol on a building or a statue or whatever, you know, it's like there's a conspiracy. And, you know, and that's the conspiracy theory was founded by our government, that phrase. So and it's just one of those things where, you know, it just when you I'm a disabled veteran. And so when they tell us that you're unable to work, so just go home and find out what retired people do and do it. They have a lot of time. They read, they search the Internet. And so, you know, and when you have that much time on your hands, it's, you know, a lot of those things you start thinking about. And it's like, you know, does it make any sense to me? I don't have the answers and it doesn't matter to me who killed JFK. Uh, my situation is that he was killed and my investigation just leads me more cemented that it was done differently than what the, the final report said. So... And it's just like if you go to like a bankruptcy or a divorce or anything like that, you know, it's like that paper actually says this is what happened. This is when it happened. This is why it happened and how it happened. And what do they say on every everything? There's your story, their story, and then the truth. So this is just a version of my story or my version of the truth because I don't have all the information. And even if I was given all the information, I cannot trust that in this amount of time that the information is still original, real, you know, who knows? So. I still wonder why something that happened before you were born attracts so much interest that you, you're really obviously quite interested in it. Well, JFK was the, the pinnacle for the United States. He made it a lot of declarations that, that were perplexing to you know, our country. And so, you know, it's like, and maybe this comes from something my father instilled in me or, you know, teachers at school, you know, and, you know, you are a product of your entire life, not just one minute in your life. And so 
there are many people in my life who, you know, I can re- recall a few of them, but at the same time, those people are, um, you know, not responsible for any one thing in my life either. So um, it's just a little bit of each one of those things. And, and things that you go through, you know, it's like, um, you know, when you uh, leave a situation, it's like, wow, you know, it's like, I wish I would have thought of this then, but it's too late now. And, you know, I wasn't there at the JFK assassination. I couldn't have prevented it. You know, most people who were there, you know, 99 point, you know, I won't go 99.9%, but um, people who didn't know what was going on didn't know it was going to happen. So, um, you know, it's like I've never understood many things in that. You know, it's like why would they kill, you know, him in front of his wife? Uh, But, you know, that's a whole nother thing that doesn't interest me. But it did somebody because they killed him in front of her. So, Do you think that was significant? It has to have been. Otherwise, you know, it's like, it, if I do something dumb, hold me accountable, but don't hold my family accountable. You know, it's like, that's a, that's a situation where the school teacher, they didn't hold your family accountable for something you did in school. So now they could call you in and say, hey, you need to come get your kid and take him home <laughs> and correct this. You've targeted the fact that it was done in front of his wife. Right. Why? Oh, I don't know. And that, like I said, that's not something that, that makes, it doesn't make any sense to me. Because if they're making a point, first of all, they made the point to the, to the entire world. Did they want the family to suffer? Well, since they killed many of his family members, I presume yes. So, but at the same time, it was, it was something where the, um, at the time, apparently many things were happening in our nation that nobody has seen even up until now. And it's just now starting to come to light. What sort of things? The whole Biden Democratic Party, you know, the, the fraudulent elections and, and I mean, just all kinds of stuff that none of us, because in our country, okay, one of the biggest things that we were taught is, don't worry, everything will be all f- okay. It'll be fine. Just don't even worry about it. And where has that taken us? You know, I found it very ironic when we came here on vacation to Australia. It was your country knew more about our country than most Americans do. Really? I was dumbfounded. Hmm. I was, and it was very pleasing because what you guys knew was so to the point and so direct and i mean you had separated what was fact from fiction and what you know many of the people that that came up to me and talked to me were like you know so you know what do you think about this and what do you think about that and it was like how what do you- sort of things do we know more about america than americans do well first of all biden and trump <laughs> how do you mean so, well it's okay so I have found two divisions in in Australia and one was uh, the people who dislike Trump well we have that in the United States we have the people who dislike Biden we have that in the United States um, but the people who disliked Trump didn't care to investigate anything behind Trump or any people that were working with him and any changes that were coming because of you know any of his cabinet's work. Nothing happens by one man. Okay. Great things can happen by one man, but the best things happen from a team. And so Trump had a really good team working with him. And, you know, it's like 
depending on whether it's the military, whether it's, you know, um, you know, for the longest time I've had a people, people come up to me and it's like, you know, you're, you're intelligent. You should go, you know, Congress or Senate. And I was like, I couldn't. And they're like, why not? And it was like, because I'd fire them all. You know, it's like, because it's gotten to the point where nobody trusts them anymore. When I would go to the voting booth, I would look at the bottom of the list and find out who was the person who was least likely to get voted in, who had a real job like farmer or teacher, and they got my vote. And I guarantee you at the end of the election, they were looking at the ballot going, where'd I get all these votes? Because nobody wants the people at the top of the list anymore because nothing's getting done for our country anymore. It's always for the party and they treated it like it was a party. So, and you know, so our country, you know, I started waking up more and more and more to, you know, the things that were happening. And when people started saying our nation was about to go into civil war, it was like, you know what? When was that? Uh, let's see, about two years ago. So, and it so was, right at the, uh, the, the end of the Trump. No, 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 no. This is, no, this is, uh, um, no, this was actually, I was at the veterans administration one day, the medical facility and, the medical staff there was saying, he's not our president. Well, that's not your choice. You know, just because his picture is going to hang on the wall, he's not in here doing your job for you. He's not your, your literal boss. You know, you're, you're on your level in this facility. But yet they were saying that. And it was like, well, you know, just because I don't like what any other president has done, and it's not any other president doing 100%, it's any other president... I didn't like this part of it. I didn't like that part of it. And everybody has that. Okay. Did Trump do a good job? Well, I mean, there was media that showed a few instances where he did, you know, uh, things that were just uh, out of character, you know, for, you know, society, you know, and out of time, you know, is the wrong time to do these things now as, as, you know, the world is changing. But at the same time, it was... What we were seeing was just, you know, and it didn't, it didn't come fast enough, the information of the changes that he was making didn't come fast enough. And now that he's been pushed to the side and we're seeing Biden, it's like, you know, now all of a sudden you can see all the things that were happening behind the scenes. And it's like they say, you know, it's like. What sort of things? Oh, everything from the economy to jobs to uh, you name it. It was pleasing to see somebody starting to make a real difference and putting our nation back into the, um, and, and I'm not going to use the word, the word first world, you know, it's like, no, you know, we were a nation who had become so arrogant and so egotistical, you know, it's like when everybody was saying, God bless America. And then you see pictures of, you know, Ethiopians, you know, dying, you know, it's like of starvation. It's like, you know, it's like, how can we claim that God needs to bless us when we're not blessing anyone else? It, it was disheartening to see those kind of things happening. And so, and it's the media spinning it, you know, they get up there and they, you know, this person says, oh, well, you know, um, you know, left shoe is right shoe. And then they throw a spin on it and they make people believe it, you know, and it's like, no, that's not what happened at all. You know, we get here and people are telling us, it's like, oh, you guys are, you know, just killing everybody every day. And you guys are just gun toting, you know, popping off guns everywhere. No, that's not who we are. You know, you saw a movie or two and you've made an assumption just and to give, you know, like 
when we got here, people were telling us, it's like, we hate that you guys know that we're the convict island. What's wrong with that? No, I had never heard that till I got here. You know, it's like, no, I didn't know that until you guys told me. What about that movie, JFK? What did you think about that? I didn't see that movie. Why not? Uh, well, because I've been busy traveling and so... And, you know, we took a three-month vacation to Australia, and it's we've been here 17 months. So, um, you know, so the pandemic has, has kept us locked down. We're still under lockdown. And so, you know, there's many things that, you know, we just don't have time for, you know, right now. Um, it's not that I don't want to watch it. Um, I'm more of a documentary guy. So, you know, I like to, you know, and it's wildlife documentaries and uh, let's see, some of the, like, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of some of the, documentaries we're into uh unbranded which is about horses um the mustangs from the united states and so you know we love documentaries and um see spiracy and and things like that and it's not that you know we're seeking out injustice we took our trip and we didn't make it about we want to escape our world and we don't ever want to go back no we wanted to take something that we were given and we wanted to go out and give back. We started talking about that 26 seconds, the film of JFK's assassination. What's your take on Talk us through that assassination and what happened. You say about the windscreen. Talk us through what you think happened from what you've seen and heard. Well, the video wasn't conclusive to me. You can't tell me that, wasn't the, that was the only video taken that day because we had video cameras back then. Um, and so um, that we're only given this one view. Um, it, it didn't provide enough information. So as I continued to look through the images and everything, I started noticing some of the shots from the front of the limo. All of a sudden I look you know, much closer, zoom them in, look at them much closer. And all of a sudden in one photo, I realize JFK is like this. That was the first shot. That was the first shot. So he's already been shot, and he's doing this. Okay. Now, when a person is shot, typically the first thing they do, or injured in any way, it's like, oh, I banged my knee. Oh, you know, it's like they put their hand where they were injured. So if he's going like this, he's been shot from the front. So it was the fists going into his neck. Well, he's, he's like this, and in the image you can also see her hand coming across grabbing his arm. Okay. And so it was like, ah, so once again, there's, you know, one more piece of evidence that may support this woman's statement about a bullet hole in the windshield, that the bullet came from the front. And so here is the image of him holding the front of his neck, not the back. Okay. So he's been shot and he's holding his, you know, his throat. Was it possible that Harvey, Lee Harvey Oswald did actually hit the president? They've had experts do the, in the analysis. They've had sharpshooters and marksmen and experts and snipers and everybody try to recreate. And they can't even fire as fast as the government said he did. And these are experts in their field. Okay. I'm not going to challenge that because if they say he can't do it, he can't do it. Okay. Um, then, like I said, when that box is put in the windowsill, something's not right about that box. Then I see the picture of the book depository, and I'm like, if I'm standing down on the street and I'm looking up six floors, 
and a guy is sitting in the window, you're going to see about this much of his face. Okay? But they all knew he was Oswald. Okay, sorry, that's... I can't buy that either. And as I continue to pull other photos, all of a sudden I see guys like Brennan, and he's standing right where the limo stops. Was this photo taken before, you know, the president was shot, or was it taken after? I don't know all that stuff. But at the same time, it seems like that spot in the square was the setup spot. Okay, everything had to happen at that point in time. Why? Okay, so as we as we look at the 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 one video that we're presented with, okay, it's just from one side. You can't tell what's happened. They cut out specifically the spot when the vehicle hits that one point. Okay. And what did they cut out? That's frame three one three? Well, <laughs> Um, and that's if they didn't doctor anything else. I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't have the Zapruder original film. Okay. So, um, and it's not to say that it couldn't be recreated and modified or manipulated, you know, so, um, especially in, in this amount of time and with this much technology that we have now in, in today's environment. <laughs> so, but at the same time, that just does not, there's no way that you can make a, a, any kind of decision on that view. So we start looking at the, all the images from around. Okay, so you can see the pictures of some of the investigators, and they went back and they sat in, in Oswald's position. Well, they didn't use the box in the window. and so. But from that position, as soon as the motorcade showed up into the square, okay, he can take the shot there, there, as the motorcade's turning, there, 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 and yes, all the way down through, as long as that box isn't there. Okay, so then on top of that, there's an, the photo where we're in front of the limo and JFK is holding his throat like this. Why is that the only other photo that we have? And to me, it says trophy. That was a trophy shot. We killed the president. We shot the president. And here's the proof of it. He's already been shot. He's going down. Who wanted him dead? I have no idea. And that doesn't matter to me. All it is is I'm I like to investigate and it's just I'm looking at it and it's like it doesn't that's a whole nother you know group of people to investigate that side of it you know for me it's it's just a situation of I like to investigate I was taught to be a shooter so I wanted to look at this from if I was him if I was Oswald sitting in that position you know what was it that you know I would have done in that situation and so you know as i looked at it i'm like the box doesn't make any sense the window doesn't make any sense this position doesn't make any sense i mean there's so many other other things as you know as i thought through you know if i was a shooter sitting in that window you know the evidence doesn't make any sense for the simple fact that you couldn't see him all the way up on the sixth floor you know so i mean even with a telephoto lens today you know i'd have to be zoomed in on that window to even you know take a picture of the person put it on the computer zoom it in so i could say oh yeah there's oswald should Lee Harvey Oswald, if it's proven conclusively and they can say, yep, he was shot from the front, from the front, should he be pardoned? Well, that doesn't clear him of the other shots. Okay, so we're still at the juncture of did the Secret Service guy holding the automatic rifle behind the, <laughs> the presidential limo shoot him from behind? I don't think so because what I'm seeing in the other photos is that everybody's looking in other directions than that guy with that rifle. How many shots do you think were fired? There was at least three. 
Okay, so in, in, in the document that I wrote, it actually talks about, you know, the magic bullet, and it talks about the one that hit Connolly. What's the magic bullet? Explain. Okay, so the magic bullet is uh, the one that was found in the hospital, and it was uh, conveniently found or dropped, I mean, found <laughs> inside uh, at the gurney. And so, um, and it has a tooth mark on it. And so somebody at some point actually bit that bullet. You mentioned that. Why right. would I have done that? Uh, typically, the only reason you would do that is to pull the ball out of the round. So the lead out of the round. And that's the only reason you do that. I mean, you have to bite down hard to pull that out of there. Yeah. Um, when I was in the, in the U.S. military, I actually did that with a 45 caliber round and put it in my mouth and actually tried to pull the ball alpha out of the round and chipped my tooth. Okay, so... It takes, you know, I didn't get the ball out of the round. So that's one of the things I was thinking of. It's like, okay, so first of all, you know, putting a bullet in your mouth and trying to get that ball out of there, that takes a lot of pressure. And it was like with forensic evidence today, you know, they've got teeth. You know, it's like even if the people are dead, they can still investigate that bullet and possibly match that bullet to somebody's teeth. Why are there so many conspiracies about the JFK assassination? Everybody wants to know what happened. And, you know, it's like, I, I, you know, some of the things that I saw is like they were there was a guy who had found a shell casing on the railroad overpass. OK, over by the grassy knoll. Well, that's a shell casing anyone could have dropped. It could have fallen off a train shipment. It could have, you know, and now even though it wasn't a, uh, you know, a complete round, um, you know, it's just that I had to throw out because that doesn't mean anything. Okay. What about the mysterious Umbrella Man? Nah, no, I, I don't. I never paid any attention to him because that was, to me, okay, if you want to steer people in the wrong direction, you give them a lot of smoke and mirrors, okay? It's like the whole Trump smear campaign. The media took and just wiped him with everything they could. Why? He's a Russian agent. He's. But why did they, why did they target Trump? They have their reasons. I have no idea, you know, the, the core of all of their reasons. But, but what's your opinion? What, what do you think? Um, that he was trying to fix things that they were doing wrong. Because why else would they target him so heavily? Just like with JFK. You know, it's like JFK was doing something wrong, and that's why they targeted him. What was he doing wrong, in your opinion? That was before my time. His, but you've investigated it. Well, no, and it, you no must, that's not you, the part I investigated. What I, you know, I heard the speech, and the speech said many things. We're going to do this, that, and the other thing. I don't know what those things are. He didn't specify what this, that, and the other thing are. But you talk about Trump, and he said that uh, he was going to release all the documents pertaining to the assassination. Didn't happen. The one thing that I did see that came out from his administration was this photo with the man holding the you know, the, what I, I presume is an uh, M16A1 uh, service rifle, uh, which is a semi-automatic or automatic rifle. And like I said, in the photograph, I'm actually seeing from the rifle towards the man's head, it's four or five, and it, it's, it's almost in an elliptical to where it's either the, the rifle has been fired, okay, you know, four or five times, or... There was a wreath of stars or something, and this photo has been edited, and they did a poor job and left those in, or you know, or who knows what other reason. Um, so the photo to me, you know, I'm sorry, I don't buy it. 
Um, and especially when I compare that photo with where everybody's looking at the same time this man is supposed to have shot the president from behind. So it just doesn't add up. People are looking the wrong direction. And when you look at the street, you're actually seeing everybody as the motorcade is passing by, everybody's looking this direction and the man with the, the automatic rifle is right in front of him. You're not going to look this direction if he's firing right here. And even the Secret Service people were looking to the back as well. So, And there was one person who actually said that they believed that it wasn't from the book depository. It was from the building right behind it. And they fired from about the second floor from the trajectory and stuff. So, How many shooters do you think there were? There was enough to get the job done. Um, <laughs> and considering right from the get-go that JFK... Uh, as soon as his, the Secret Service agents were getting in the vehicles and they're telling the, the one Secret Service member to get away from the vehicle, we're already at enough people involved, okay, who already knew what the motive was and already knew what the plan was. And so, therefore, they're all armed. So, if anything goes wrong, the backup, I presume, would be for them to finish the job. And now this photo comes out with an AR or, you know, automatic uh, rifle, uh, M16A2, that, uh, um, that they had a rifle in the car, potentially, um, and that they still had planned to do something if the other shooters had failed. And I don't think they would have done it right there in plain view, because that was just too convenient to me. I'm not a person who enjoys horror. I'm not a person who enjoys uh, murder and, and that kind of stuff. But I like to investigate. But what do you think when you looked at that Sapruto film, the 26 seconds that he shot. There's nothing there to go on. You can't make any kind of conclusive investigation. And to me, that's very convenient. Okay. Um, and, you know, everybody's got Polaroids and everybody's got, you know, video cameras and the president's coming. Get the cameras and let's go. You know, it's like, um, so, and what do we find out? Well, now that information, more information is being released, we have this photo of somebody in front of the motorcade gets the picture of JFK holding his throat. So there are more, more images out there. As the, the vehicle and the Zapruder film continued to move on, um, he gets shot again. You know, so it, in the Zapruder film, it actually looks like he's been shot twice. Okay, um, And somewhere in this, uh, Connolly also got shot. Um, but at the same time, who's in the same vehicle. Um, and if you look at the trajectory of how he was shot, you know, that creates all kinds of confusion, especially if they're trying to do the magic one bullet theory. You know, it had to have gone in through JFK's neck, out through his head, back into Conley, turn, go down through his leg. I mean, there's all kinds of weird trajectory that, you know, you have to try to force, you know, this bullet to do, which, you know, could never do. Um, and then end up on a gurney in the hospital. <laughs> so... Um, but you know, um, it's, it's just one of those things where it, there had to have been at least three shots fired, but you know, as I was looking through, it's like, okay, so we have three shell casings for Oswald, but Oswald wasn't in front of the car. So now we have four shots potentially if, if Oswald fired any shots. Okay. So, so we're up to four. Now we have one coming from behind the president with this man holding the you know, M16, and so now we're at five shots potentially, or if, if Oswald didn't fire any, then we have three. So you were asking, you know, it's like, why was I doing this investigation? And it's, was Oswald guilty or innocent? 
And could somebody have pulled off what he did and what the government says he did and what the media says he did? Because he died for it. You know, it's like, you know, did the media mark him and he died and he was an innocent man and that blood is on all of our hands? Is it? I don't know. Hmm. According to what I see, yes, it is. He was an innocent man. Now, they were just like, well, he was a communist and he was passing out communist propaganda and all this kind of stuff. That doesn't matter. We're just talking about... Was he the shooter at this site? That's the only thing I'm talking about here. Okay. All that other stuff is, you know, when, when they talk about doing an investigation, it's like, um, you know, if I get involved in his, what he did in preschool and kindergarten, that doesn't have anything to do with now with what we're doing in this investigation at this point in time. So it may have led up to who he is in his life, you know, why he went in the military and stuff like that. And it's just like, okay, so... Um, you know, many people are arguing that, you know, Oswald was even not even a uh, military rifle expert, that he was only a, a marksman, which is, you know, really low. Well, that doesn't mean you can't hit somebody with a rifle at close range. But at the same time, they're not, he's not the person I'd pick to do the job that, you know, was done that day. Was uh, he picked? Well, he was put, He he's in that window. Do you think that... Lee Harvey Oswald was marked and and requested or uh, sequestered to go and do the shooting. No, no, no. Well, okay. Was so, he a full guy? So the, then let's look at it from three legs here. Okay, so if he was hired to be in that window, okay, he took his rifle there and he was there to do a job. What was the job? If he's been brought there to do a job, then what was that job? Okay, so what are our choices? To kill the president or protect the president? Okay. So if he is not there to kill the president, then what evidence do we have that he was there to protect the president? How do you mean protect him? As a counter sniper. They have snipers and they have counter snipers. Okay. And the job of one is to take out a target and the job of the other is to try to protect the target. And so if Oswald was taken there to shoot the president, the president was shot, job was done. Okay. And that's what everybody sees. Okay. And if you're willing to just look at, you know, life through blinders, then that's what you see. But when you start seeing things like this woman who says that there's bullet holes in the windshield and then you see the photograph of JFK holding his throat, it doesn't add up. So, okay, so if somebody shot JFK from the front, that the potential that Oswald was not the shooter that is shooting the president is much greater, okay? So if we're going to go with that theory, then what was he doing there? Now we bring in Teague. Teague's standing on the other side of Dealey Square. Teague, explain who Teague is. Okay, so Teague is a ex-military guy as well. Well, and actually, he was in the military at that time. Um, and so he's standing in the square on the other side of the motorcade. As it's coming down the hill towards him, he's actually on the far right. So uh, on the other side of Commerce Street. And so... The, there's a round, he reports, a round has hit in front of him on the, on the street curb. Okay, so Teague is standing uh, at the curb, and there's a, they're holding a, in one of the images, they're holding an ink pen showing that this is where the round struck. Now, wait a minute. Okay, so somebody has to be shooting towards Teague because he's too far out of the, of the v- field of view of the president. Because if, now... Okay, now this might go to Oswald being a bad shot, a, a rifle marksman. Um, if he's shooting at the president and hitting over by Teague, 
okay, we do have evidence of people who are marksmen being that bad of a shot. <laughs> but the likelihood he would have hit the president is really low. All right. So, so then the theory is that, okay, the next option is, is that he's there to protect the president and he saw a shooter in a vehicle or somewhere over in that area. Okay. And he's taking a shot at that person. Okay. So does the, it seem a bit far-fetched though that he's there to protect him? No, no, no. It's okay. So when you look at war games, um, when I was in uh, Okinawa, we actually had a war gaming center, and there was everything from the bat, you know, the Risk board game to you name it. I mean, you could play any kind of uh, battle simulations that you wanted to. Video games every single day. People are the shooter. They're the counter shooter. There, you can be in a tank. You can do anything you want anymore. Um, so. And so people were just running these simulations and, and, you know, it's like, um, so that's one of those things where those people who have so much time to think this stuff through and plan it and everything else, it, it, it couldn't have happened without months or even years of planning. This wasn't something that was set up overnight. Okay. The secret service and those, the number of people in the secret service that, you know, were in on it, this wasn't something that was told to them, Hey, you know, Hey, Today, this is going to happen. Don't get near the president. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> because where did the shooters come from? Ah, oh, okay. So we got to coordinate shooters. Oh, and by the way, we have to coordinate where the shots are going to happen. And then we have to coordinate the video that we're going to release that nobody will be able to tell where the shooters came from. So, so you know, there has to have been a lot of planning had gone into this. And so, and that's a whole different investigation, you know, from what I did. I was just looking at, you know, stand, trying to put myself in Oswald's shoes. Was he a shooter and did he do what they're claiming that he did? You know, later on they're talking about, you know, when they met him, you know, in the theater, you know, you know, his, his composure when they arrested him, you know, that's like, and, and things that he said at that time. And it didn't appear to be somebody who had just killed the, you know, the number one man, you know, as they say, number one man on earth, you know, the president of the United States. So what was said? What did, what did Lee Harvey Oswald say then? He was just basically saying, you know, it's like, what, I did something wrong? You know, it's like, you know, what are you, you know, what are you here to do? And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think he would have been out of breath. I think he would have been running and hiding. I think he would have been, you know, when you put yourself in those shoes, if you just shot the president, what would you be doing? (laughs) Okay. Um, you know, when I think of, you know, men walking on the moon, I think of, hey, we got to the moon. It's, wow, look, mom, <laughs> we're on the moon. And there's this, there's, there's the earth. You know, it's like, I, I didn't see that in the, in the moon videos. But anyway, you know, so there's another thing. Hey, let's think about that. You know, so um, it's just, you know, when you're investigating, you, you try to think down avenues that haven't been approached. And you're approaching this because you, are a shooter. You have yeah. a military background. Military background. What took you to the military in the first place? Well, um, when I was getting out of uh, in the United States, and when we go through, you know, at the end of high school, they they ask you, you know, do you want to go into the military? And it's an option, so you can voluntarily sign up, go into the military, and, and serve your country. And so they make it all kinds of, you know, hey, you'll have this great uniform, and hey, you'll get to go see other countries, and you know, now they don't sell it as in there's a whole bunch of downtime and you're going to do a bunch of boring things and, you know, you may have to go kill people. Now they never tell you any of that stuff, you know, but at the same time, you know, it's like, you know, it's a big brotherhood of people and 
if they don't dance it up like that, then no one would join probably, or very few. A lot less would join. I mean, the thing I never understood is why people would go into the U.S. Navy. You know, it's like, you're going to be putting me on a ship with a whole bunch of other guys for a long period of time, you know, between ports? Wow. But they have <laughs> that doesn't female, interest me. <laughs> they have females in the military, though, now. Now? <laughs> But at the same time, they do have laws that say, you know, fraternization is not allowed. Now, back then, you know, now I don't know what the new laws are or if they've made new laws, but back then there was no fraternization between officers and enlisted. And, you know, it's like there was typically, you know, we didn't have uh, co-ed, you know, situations. So I can't presume that or I wouldn't presume that they've actually changed at that point to that point where there's going to be a guy and a girl in every room. So but at the same time, it's like, you know, (laughs) The people who actually bought, you know, hey, you know, come join our military and we'll put you on a boat with a whole bunch of other guys and send you. Uh, sorry, not falling for that one. You've joined the military. What happened then? Well, um, in boot camp, I found out I was a really good shot. And so we were on the rifle range and we're, we get down to qualification day and I'm getting ready to take range score. And I find out that. I can't take range score because there's a guy on our team who we won't get off the range if somebody doesn't shoot on his target. And so they asked me to throw around on his target so we can get off the range. And so I throw around on his target. What happened? Why, why was that? I don't know. I mean, it was just, it was something that was asked of me. Was it an, an appropriate order? Well, that was, we weren't taught about appropriate orders or anything at that point, you know, in the military. It was just, we're not going to get off the rifle range if somebody doesn't, you know, give this guy some kind of score. So, okay, that he can't shoot a tar- shoot a rifle, he shouldn't be in the military, I guess. You know, is is my thought. So, um, you know, so it just boiled down to, you know, this was a situation where, you know, I'm being told that we're going to have to stay out here in inclement weather because this is the middle of winter in, you know, uh, in South Carolina, and it was just one of those things where okay, uh, this is what you want me to do. This is what I did. And there we go. And so it, um, it was a pinnacle for me because a, a number of things didn't happen to me until many years later, you know, in retrospect on it, it was like, wait a minute, was there a law that said that I had to shoot for him to, you know, because, you know, in my mind it was, if this guy's out in the field with us, we're all going to have to be using our ammunition on his target. What's he using his ammunition on? Because, you know, if there's only a certain amount of ammunition, like in the, in the Marine Corps, there's only a certain amount of ammunition. It's going to be what you can carry, and that's it. Okay? And that's why they try to teach you one shot, one kill, or stuff like that. Now, luckily, I never had to do that. You know, it's like, because I don't want to kill anybody. I, I hate it with a passion. You know, it's like, that's not who I am. But you join the military where essentially that's what you do. Yeah, because that wasn't in the, you don't think about that until it actually comes in front of you. So anyway, so, and that's, that's one of those things where, you know, they don't tell you, they show you the uniform, like in the Marine Corps, you know, it's like, look at the dress blues. You can wear this and girls love it. Yeah, well, okay. So, and that and on an 18 year old mind, it works. So it's a beautiful uniform and you'll get medals and ribbons and all that. And you'll look like us. You'll be all fit and everything. So, um, yeah, well, I'm really broken now. So, you know, past military experience, I am completely broken. And so because I'm broken, I have a lot of time to, you know, think out things and investigate things. And, and so, you know, going back and looking back on that, it's like, 
was I asked to do something that was legal? Was I asked to do something that was right? Because was I asked to do something that was lawful? I have no idea. And it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, I lost range score that day because of what I was asked to do. And so if this man was harmed in something that was done to him by others, then, you know, I want to know what the repercussion was. You've got an interesting uh, favorite quote. There's a lot of things that the Marine Corps passes, um, you know, to sell the Marine Corps. Um, and one of them is if it absolutely positively has to be destroyed overnight, that's one of the things the Marine Corps, you know, you know, says, you know, they program you to say those things, um, you know, but at the same time, it's, um, you know, they don't tell you that, you know, that you're going to have to pull the trigger and take somebody's life and you're going to have to live with that the rest of your life. And that's where PTSD comes from. So there's a bunch of quotes that they sell you on when sure. they're trying to get you in. Well, even after they, they boot you out, um, you know, once you've exited the service, you know, it's like they'll even tell you once a Marine, always a Marine. Hand us your ID card now that you're out. You can't come back on base. You know, don't come to us. We won't come to you. You know, it's like there was there's U.S. Marine base here in, in Australia. And so one of the things I did was like, hey, we go to Australia and go see Marines in Australia. You know, they say, hey, you know, and then I would get here and it's like, hey, you know, I'd like to come by and, you know, see the see the Marines over there. And uh, I haven't heard anything. Well, okay, so if it's once a Marine, always a Marine, why is this Marine treated any different? Why did you leave the States? Why did you get out? We left the States for a number of reasons. We, um, you know, once I got my military pension, it was I wanted to give back. I mean, we got a lump sum, and it was like, hey, let's go around the world and let's give back. I wanted to, like, Australia's having a horrible time with the wildfires. We were watching it on the news in the States, and... The animals are affected, uh, the culture is affected. Let's go there and, and see what we can do to give back. And uh, Steve Irwin is huge in the United States. And it was like, I always wanted to come pay my respects to Steve Irwin. And so we take off, we come to Australia, and we get here, and the fires are out. <laughs> um, the animals are being cared for. And we go to the Steve Irwin Zoo, and um, you guys handle death differently here. In what way? Well, in the United States, it's it's that, you know, you, you try to process the death in you know, a grieving as fast as possible and get on with your life. And then, you know, and you can handle it and deal with it. I get here and it's like, no, death is a whole different animal here. It's that, you know, I look like Steve, you know, somewhat like Steve Irwin and they don't want to have me around. And it's like, why not? You know, it's like, I want to say my respects to Steve. No, you can't. Can I say my respects to his dad? You know, something, because I brought my boys 15,000 miles, you know, all the way, you know, half around the United States or around the world. And just to be able to say our respects to Steve Irwin, you know, because to us, our boys watch him, you know, constantly. And, and you know, our whole family does. He, even though he has passed, you know, he's still in our house. You know, my grandmother, when she died, okay, on my dad's side, um, when she died, um, she was killed and in a car accident and went to the funeral service, and so for me, she was dead and buried. Watched the whole thing, okay? So my grandfather, when he died, I was thousands of miles away, didn't see any of it, and to me, he's not dead and buried. He's still here. You haven't seen it? Didn't see it. Mm. So Steve Irwin's the same for me. 
I wasn't here. I didn't witness it. So he's still alive to us. He's still in our house, in our home, on our television. He's one of our family. And so for, you know, so many people who are, you know, still grieving over Steve, it's like, stop grieving over him and continue to talk about him and his work and everything. I mean, we, you know, and it's not just the Steve Irwin Zoo. You go to the Steve Irwin is showing up in Whale Wars and, you know, his name is out there. So, so to us, he didn't die. He's still, you know, come, you know, going around the world and doing good things. And so we're teaching our children to do the things that he did. So conservation, you know, helping people, you know, it's like what are, what the United States needs is a good lesson in humility, you know, being humbled, you know, it's like, and, uh, and if, if that came about, then our nation would be so much stronger again. And that's, what's disappointing to us. You know, we wanted to take a trip to give back because, you know, what's happening in our country is self-inflicted. What's your big worry for the U.S.? Well, before, you know, years ago now, uh, because we've been here for 17 months, it's that when before we left, you know, there was rumors of civil war was coming. And, you know, that many... Was it that close? Well, depending on who you talk to, a lot of people actually say it's already happened, you know, many times. You know, there are people who have said, I fired the first shot. Nobody else followed suit. If you look at the riots, those people are claiming they fired the first shot. You know, so, you know, as the, as the country continues to go into financial ruin, then that will escalate more and more. And so the plausibility of civil war becomes greater and greater, you know, each and every day. Is that just um, Democrat-Republican lines? Oh, it doesn't matter who's in office. So I don't care who's in office if they're doing the wrong things and the country's going into moral decay and, you know, and up in arms with each other and, you know, pushing the buttons of everybody. You know, it's like, um, you know, it's like it's one of those things where you're not you're at home, but there's no peace anymore. You know, it's like the news every single day is telling you how bad the world is and how bad your world is and how but turn it off. You know, that was the best thing for us to do is turn it off. You came out here about uh, 17 months ago and you've essentially got stuck here because of COVID. Yes. What do you see? What What are your thoughts on COVID then? Before we left the United States, we did an investigation, you know, because we're getting ready to take our family around the world. And if this thing is really as bad as people are starting to talk about, because we were, we were planning our trip before COVID really, you know, came onto the scene. So, but we started hearing about it in uh, late November, early December, um, and our trip exit date was uh, February. And so as we're doing our investigation, you know, what we could find is that the, at that time, coronavirus um, was part of the SAR family, and it's a cold, it's a common cold, but it is a serious cold. Um, if you have precursors like pneumonia and other stuff, it can kill you. Um, so take precautions, and, and that's it. So, okay, if that's all it is, we boarded the planes, and off we went. And in the, so we had a 90-day visa when we arrived here, and as we get here, all of a sudden, the border, the international borders locked down, then Australian borders locked down, and it was like, okay, so what we're hearing on the media is that this thing is so much worse than, you know, what we were told. 
But at the same time, we were getting a lot of other information, you know, which told us that it was just the opposite. And so, you know, what do you believe? And this, so this is where it goes back to conspiracy theories. You know, can you believe what the media tells you or can you not believe what the media tells you? And because everybody's going to put their spin on their thing. And so, um, you know, have people died from this? Sure, I guarantee it. You know, will people continue to die from it? Sure, I guarantee it. But at the same time, um, you know, is it something that is a extreme as what they've, they've told us? And what we're seeing is that, um, you know, it is extreme, but, you know, uh, the evidence just isn't adding up, you know, in our view. But that doesn't mean that because we're in a very safe place. Australia, you know, you can't get into Australia, and because of that, there's, you know, there's protection there, built-in protection. Well, there's lockdowns now in Victoria. What do you think about that, with it starting to ramp up down there? Well, the situation in Victoria is interesting to me because, um, you know, the lockdowns weren't effective in the United States. And so when I hear them say that they're going to lock down a, a, you guys call them states, um, because of a small number of cases with no deaths, it's, it's puzzling. But at the same time, it's, um, it's not for me to say whether they're doing the right thing or not. That's, you know, the politicians are going to do what they're going to do. Just like with Biden and Trump. I'm not a politician. That's their job. So, and, you know, we, we live with them with the expectation that they're doing the best interest for us, our families, and everything else. So, Would you like to be a politician? No. No. If I went into politics, I would have to fire everybody. So, because, you know, it's kind of like when I talked to my grandmother one time, she says, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, I wanted to be a police officer. And she goes, please don't do that. And I said, why not? She goes, because it's too easy to become corrupt. It's tough for police now. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, defund the police all over the United States. George Floyd. What do you think about that? Was that a setup then? The more the media spends something in our nation, the more we question what they're saying. Just like with JFK, it takes time to find out what the truth is. It's not something that where you can just say, that happened, it's done, it's over, that's it. It's just like right now, they're doing the investigation in the United States about whether the virus came from China or not. It takes time to investigate things, to find out what the truth is. And so you have to investigate and find out. Otherwise, if you do something like that, somebody may die. Or, Should they be accountable then if it did? Uh, well, who's accountable? Is it the media? Is it the politicians? Is it all of the above? And that's a whole other can of worms. You know, it's like, you know, how many times do we open up something and go, ugh. You've been here 17 months now. Are you looking forward to going home? Are you wanting to go home? Do well, you? we'd love to go home. We have, you know, all of our family is in the States. So, you know, on both sides of the family. So, um, you know, we came here, you know, it's like, you know, as a family unit and this was a world trip and we were to, we took the most expensive leg first. And so we got here and we've been stranded here. Um, and you know, the, um, the plan was for us then, which is still for us now to continue on to into Asia, Africa and Europe on our way back to the United States. And Do you so, agree with the international lockdowns though? Well, let me back up one step on that. They tell us that we cannot uh, travel 
unless we have a vaccination passport. Well, we already have a passport. So what's the difference between the vaccination passport and our regular passport? Well, the vaccination passport is supposed to prove that we've had the vaccination. Okay, so let's, I'm, I think out of the box and I like to investigate things. It's like, is the passport going to guarantee that I don't have the virus? No. Is the passport going to guarantee that, um, that I can't get the virus? No. Is the passport going to guarantee I can't give it to anybody else? No. Is the passport going to be a document that's forged? Every ID and money system that's ever been created has been, people find out how to forge them all the time. So I don't see how that can be made. And then it goes beyond that and it goes into, you know, all of the conventions of what is uh, lawful and what is, you know, a human right and everything else. And it, it violates those. Um, so is it, uh, is it right for the airlines to say you're not allowed to fly with us unless you have a vaccine or it's, you're not allowed to fly with us unless you have the vaccine passport? Something in the United States that I was told is that your job as a pilot is to fly me from point A to point B. Get me there safe. You're not a doctor. You're not a lawyer. You're nothing else. Your job is a pilot. So don't act like a doctor. And, you know, and the other people... But really, won't. it's not um, in the hands of the pilots. I think it's more bureaucrats at the airlines and at a maybe a government level that are, that are controlling that. The pilots are essentially just there to fly. Well, but at the same time, it's like uh, in the United States, there was a, there was a, uh, a funny uh, news article that came out and it said that pilots were not allowed to use Viagra so many hours before flight because they couldn't see the blue runway lights. Now, most people just look at that and they're like, ha ha ha, okay, that's funny. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, how many pilots had to complain that they couldn't see blue runway lights before they figured out it was Viagra that was the problem? You got to take into consideration, you know, it's like it would take thousands of pilots saying I can't see the runway for them to figure out Viagra was the, the common cause and, and tell pilots you can't use Viagra so many hours before the flight. That being said, the, the vaccines being forced on pilots, if it is harming people, let's say, you know, let's say it makes them sick at any time, you know. I went and I got my vaccine and, you know, I have a flight this afternoon or tomorrow or whatever. And all of a sudden I become ill. Now your pilot's compromised. So do we have to, oh, okay, well, you received your vaccination. Now you have to wait so long before you can do your job again. You know, so there, there's a lot of questions and answers that just haven't been done yet. You know, in the United States, if they come out with a vaccination, the vaccination is supposed to meet so much requirements and so go through so many hurdles and so many financial burdens that you basically want to throw in the towel and go away. Did they rush the vaccine through, do you think? This is what they're saying. I have no idea. I'm not in that industry. So, um, but you know, it's like what I am hearing is that, um, that it went to market really fast. Um, I know in the United States we have like uh, the report is that uh, we have about 24,000 deaths every year from people who receive the flu vaccine, and that has been out for a very long time. I mean, you know, decades. Okay, and people are still dying from that, and this is supposed to be so much more severe. Something still doesn't sound right to me. You know, it does sound like they had this vaccination ahead of schedule, or they didn't go through the proper channels to have it tested properly. Something doesn't sound right. 
And so that's for somebody else to investigate. You're here for 17 months so far. How long do you reckon you'll be here for? And um, what are your plans? Well, the Australian government's telling us that we could be here until 2021, 2024. Uh, even the media is saying, you know, potentially 2027. Um, our plan is to continue on our trip as we can. But at the same time, you know, my oldest daughter was born in Okinawa, Japan. And she was given the option of dual citizenship. Why is it that you can't go to another country if you don't have dual citizenship already? Or, you know, uh, you go to another country and you're not given a, a secondary option. So we're being kept here. We're not allowed to buy property here. We're not allowed to assimilate as, you know, citizens or residents or anything else. I mean, yes, we have been able to, to, uh, to live here. Um, we, we weren't able to buy property. We weren't able to buy, uh, you know, they told us that we weren't able to, to do, you know, so many things. And because we're not residents or citizens, we can't vote, we can't, you know, you know, do so many things. But at the same time, we're also being told that we can't leave. Okay, so you, if you don't want us here, then, you know, then you need to open up the doors and say, okay, everybody who we don't want here, get out. But with these hard borders... Some people can't get in, right. you can't get out. Yeah. So it works both ways. Right, yeah. So, and, and the thing, it was kind of ironic when we heard about the people who are Australian citizens weren't able to get back in. All of a sudden, they were being targeted by the media. We don't want those people from India to come back here. It was like, wow, okay, so the media is doing just as bad for your country as it does for our country. You know, that was my impression. Um and so, you know, it's, it's one of those things where um, I don't know the situation and that's, you know, that's your government is dealing with your, your, your nation and your politics and your citizenship and your, um, you know, your issues on its own. And so, um, you know, our situation is, is that we're here stuck in this. Um, we weren't, it, it's like our flight interruption insurance. Our flight interruption insurance said that if our flight was interrupted, we would be reimbursed for expenses. Okay. Well, our flight was interrupted. <laughs> okay. Because our next flight was from here to Taiwan. And our flight has been interrupted for 17 months. Well, we gave you the money back for your flights. No, you didn't give us the money back for our flights. The airline did. So you didn't give us anything. And so, you know, the nations are still closed down. We're still ex experiencing debts that we wouldn't have in your country because, you know, we wouldn't be here otherwise if we weren't locked down here. Frustrating. It is, especially when you have a family that... Okay, so don't get me wrong. Australia has been a beautiful place. I mean, it's very much like the United States. I mean, we don't... We do have some states where you can whale watch, <laughs> okay? Um, some states where you can, you know, see turtles, um, but you know, it's, it's, uh, given the fact that, you know, we're here and we're trying to be a family unit and yet we're told at any minute we can be told to get out. That's frustrating. Uh, we're being told that, um, you know, if you don't have a visa, you have to apply for a visa. If you don't, if you, if this visa runs out and it runs out before you get this visa in, then, oh, and by the way, we're going to transfer your investigation from this one to this one, you know, this agency to this agency. It's, it, it really gets convoluted. So it's, it's frustrating because they, they want us to have visas, but yet right now it's like we received a letter to go down to Brisbane 
for an immigration appointment. And we show up, we knock on the door, and there's other people standing there waiting. And this was after the lockdown. And so, um, why are you here? <laughs> you sent us a letter saying, come here. And so, so it boiled down to, um, you know, we're here because you asked us to come here. Oh, my God, you got the wrong email. The email was supposed to say we're supposed to do a phone inter- uh, you know, call to you today. A phone call? That would have been nice, you know, because we just drove an hour and a half. We're paying for parking and everything else. What do you plan to do if you're here till 2027? What are you going to do? Well, the interesting thing is, is the visas that they've given us, which is funny and yet uh, ironic because I'm not allowed to work. Now, I'm not allowed to work in the United States because of my disability, um, my veteran's pension and everything. But I'm not allowed to work here. But yet I could go to school for three months. What do I go to school for if I'm not allowed to work? My wife and children are allowed to work. My, two, my three and four-year-old, who were two and three, are allowed to work. So how much do I pay them and what job do I give them? And when the government comes and tells me, hey, you know, it's like, why have you been paying your children to work and why have you been making them work? If you didn't have your pension, how would you support yourself if you couldn't work? I would be indigent. You know, it's like we had people, you know, who aggressed us and told us that, oh, you're just here on a work visa and you're going to take Australian money and leave. No, no, no. We came here on tourist visas and you guys are spending our our income very well. You know, the American money that we're bringing here. Unless you are, you know, in the you know top percentage of the people who, you know, have lots of money, a 17-month vacation gets really expensive. Okay, we had to buy vehicles and campers and, and you know, uh, food and lodging and everything else. And, and, you know, when you add all that stuff up, you know, it's like, you know, at what point do we have to say, we can't do this anymore? You know, it's like, it, we are dwindling down the money really quick. And the unfortunate thing is, is that when we're being told that we have to leave, at the same time, we're not being... The trip or interruption insurance that was supposed to pay us for trip interruption isn't paying anything. The government says, well, if you don't have, you know, Australia says, you know, if you want to be a resident of Australia, and they're now saying it's a million dollars per person. I don't have $4 million in the bank. So we can't become residents of Australia. So once again, that tells us our, our trip is going to continue. Would you like to? We'd love to. But at the same time, we have things that we have to resolve here first, like because we bought the vehicles. We have to resolve those matters first. Otherwise, when we leave, you know, we don't want to leave a burden on the society here. So that's not why we came here. We came here to give back, not to take and leave, you know, a mess. When you're in the military, you got to um, do a lot of traveling. And you're back traveling again. Is it something that you really enjoy doing? Uh, You talk a lot and quite fondly of your time in Okinawa. Mm Mm-hmm. What did you learn when you're in Okinawa? One of the biggest lessons I learned in Okinawa was, I mean, I loved the the island. I loved the people. I mean, it was, it was hilarious. I was standing one day with my arm on a wall like this, and I was talking to another Marine. And the the irony was that this little Japanese lady comes up to me and she goes, and she tells me to take my arm off the wall. And then she points to a sign. And I look over at the sign and I read it. And the sign says, this is a privacy wall, you know, that is supposed to keep our privacy. And I'm standing there with my arm on it because we're so much taller than they are. And so we're just looking over this wall with our arm on it. And it was considered disrespectful. 
And so I learned to look for things like that. And so a little boy come right, came running up to us one day, and me and another Marine, and he yells, peace. And I said, peace. And he looks over to the other Marine, and all of a sudden he runs screaming. And I was like, what just happened? And I look over, and the Marine's doing this, you know, three fingers. And I was like, what just happened here? He goes, he said two bombs equaled peace, and I said they should have used the third. That's what that means. So the guy knew that? The guy knew that. Why would you do that to that little kid? He had nothing to do with that. He says, I lost family in, in Pearl Harbor. Yeah, so did I, but, you know, so what? That little kid had nothing to do with it. Is there still resentment towards the Japanese in the U.S.? Well, okay, so this goes back to investigate. You know, so many people don't investigate. They get their education from the media or, you know, from the education system that is failing every country. Right now, with the um, with all of the like Black Lives Black Lives Matters and you know all that, it's like it seems like racism has all of a sudden become a new issue all over again in the United States. Had it ever gone away, though? Really? It's there. It's even taught in school systems. It's even taught, you know, um, you know, like you know, when I was growing up, you know, it's like you didn't go to the east end of town because that's where the black people lived. And so, you know, it's, it's muted, you know, but it's still there. And, you know, and the situation is that um, depending on what part of the United States you go to, it's more or less. Okay. I went to California and I was walking around and I was like, wow, who are all these people? Because I was taught it was black and white. And out here there's Mexicans and Spanish and Italians and everything else. People I'd never seen before. Is because of what I've taught, you know. So I lived in a very small, small world, and until I got outside of that box and started experiencing the world, and that's one of the reasons why we're traveling. So our children won't have this little tiny box that programmed us to say that your life is only what we tell you it is. Steve Irwin showed everybody, you know, your life is as big as you want it to be, you know, and that's what I want them to be. I'm How have they changed? By being on the road and in a new country, have you noticed changes in them? Well, they've calmed down. <laughs> uh, two young boys can be quite rowdy, um, but at the same time, um, they're learning about things that you know. And my wife as well, you know, things that we never experience in our culture. You know, we've had, um, you know, where we're at, we wake up with uh, peacocks and wallabies and kangaroos and kookaburros and you know things that we don't have in the united states now you guys don't have mountain lions and rattlesnakes and yet anyway <laughs> so but uh you have a whole bunch of other stuff that you know want to harm you but um but it's it's one of those things where they they don't see it as anything different um they wake up and you know we teach them about bugs and animals and everything else and you know how to you know protect and defend and and you know um you know how to treat everything with respect and because you know it's like all it takes is that one situation to explode and things go go sour and so and you know they're just they're at that age where you know it, it takes so much energy out of us to try to teach them the things that they don't know or understand yet and that's how i feel about the governments of the world you know it's like you guys are acting like a bunch of three and four year olds stop you know, listen to yourselves. And a person told me one time, they said, 
Do you have one mouth and two ears? Which one do you use the most? Absolutely, and that's why we've got two. But you talk about Trump, and you were in the military. Trump is the first U.S. president in a long time not to engage in some sort of military action or war to uh, to start a new one. Do you think that that was not uh, appreciated? It was appreciated by a lot of people. Um, now, I... I can't speak for I, I. I try not to get involved in Democrat or Republican because of the fact that while they both claim to be doing the best for the country, the country continues to go downhill, and that's what we see, you know, as a nation. the con- The country continues to go downhill until you know within the last you know year and a half we started hearing about the new hope and the changes that were coming about because of uh, Trump and all the people working with him. You know, it's like, so, you know, well, if there's hope, then there's hope that our nation will resolve itself. We'll go back to a normal. Is that possible? I don't know. It depends on the people. Could Trump come back? Do you think there will be a resurgence in that sort of mentality and thinking? Um, Because he was quite a maverick. Well, but at the same time, it's it's it, the nation is so polar divided, okay? And it's just like the people I've met in Australia, you know, it's like they're polar divided on on the issue as well. And so it's you you meet the one side, the left shoe, which is, you know, which doesn't mean it's left shoe and not right shoe, but anyway, um the left shoe is we absolutely hate him. He's the worst thing that's ever existed. In the Midwest, we used to have carnivals, and the carnival would have a chicken on a hot plate, and people would pay, you know, so many cents or whatever to go in and watch this chicken dance. And that chicken would dance. Well, it was a chicken on a hot plate, and the higher they turned the fire, the faster they'd dance. And that's basically what the president is. He's up there dancing for the nation, okay? And that's not everything he is, but at the same time, he's the one who's trying to show the rest of the world who we are as a nation. And it's all those other people who are underneath who are the fire for him, okay? If they're doing great things for him, then he's built up and the the nation becomes, you know, very popular and everything else. If he's not, you know, it's like the media is tearing Biden apart now. You know, it's like where the media was building him up the whole time and tearing Trump down. Now they're seeing the numbers in, you know, and the spending and numbers of inflation, and they're starting to see a really bad pattern. And so all of a sudden they're turning on Biden. And it, it's concerning because apparently, while Trump apparently had a lot of good people working for him, doing good things for the country and bringing us up out of the slump, Biden has, is doing everything, apparently doesn't care, and is taking everything the other direction. Um, and it's just a difference in leadership. Um, and, and like I said, the, t- the team itself, you know, it's not just one man, it's the team. So, um, and corporations are involved. You have Facebook, you've got, you know, Google and, and, you know, all of these agencies who are now playing, we're going to control politics, you know, is, is the new news media. So is the new norm, you know, we're hearing in the news is, well, this is what Facebook did today to the president, and this is what Google did, and this is what... So if this is a new normal, then we have to learn what to do with that. When you mentioned about the fact that 
you're worried about a civil war happening once again. Is it ironic that it is called the United States? <laughs> uh, it's ironic because uh, 13 of the states have constantly said that they don't want to be part of the Union for, you know, ever since the Civil War. And so, you know, that's one of those things where, you know, I was in the in the South for a while and, you know, I was at one at an event where the Confederates now I'm the damn Yankee from the north, you know, and, and Ohio is the worst damn Yankees, you know, so. <laughs> um, so I was down there and I was uh, hearing them all say, you know, it's like the South, the South's going to do it again. And it's like, now, wait a minute. When you guys say the South's going to do it again, you're saying that you guys want the Civil War again. And they were like, yeah. And it's like, now, wait a minute. If Are you listening to what you're saying? Because if you're saying that the South wants to do it again, do you mean lose? Because you didn't say we want to do it again and win. So, and it made them think. And it was like, you guys never thought about that before? There's a great movie. It was uh, called Bedazzled. And, you know, Barbara Hershey, I think, was in it. And uh, I can't remember the guy's name. But anyway, she's she plays the devil. And he makes deal after deal after deal with her. And she plays him a fool every time. And the first one, he just says, you know, that I want to do a deal. And Brendan Fraser. Yeah, Brendan Fraser. Thank you. And so Brendan Fraser makes a deal, makes the first deal. And it's just a horrible attempt. And it, it reminds me of the song, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. And so we made a deal with the devil and we just want our chance to do it again because apparently they were so upset with losing the war that they weren't thinking that they should have put a few more options in there. We want to win. This is what we want to win. But as the movie Bedazzled proves, it doesn't matter what deal you do with the devil, you're going to have hell to pay. And so in that movie, she plays him for a fool every single time because he's playing for the wrong side. Who's the fool in the United States thing? Which one? <laughs> We've all been fools because we all sat down and, and accepted the, the, the terminology of, you know, uh, you know, don't worry about it. Everything will be fine. And we were watching a MASH episode the other day. And in the MASH episode, Hot Lips was under investigation because she had dated a communist sympathizer or, you know, something like that. And it was like, Wow, was this, they were telling us that communism was taking over our government all the way back in this MASH episode? I don't know. So, remember, JFK, you know, in there, Oswald was supposed to be handing out communist propaganda. Okay, so did we as a nation miss a whole bunch of evidence that was being pushed out there in front of us? Do you think there's more still to come out in the JFK saga? I don't know. If you're in charge of the evidence and you have the time and the ability to manipulate it, then only the people who were there at the time and only the people who, you know, had access to it really know what, what happened. Um, and that's why it doesn't matter to me what happened to, uh, uh, you know, who was, who was at fault or who, who did the deed. Um, it was just, did an innocent man pay because the media marked him as as a bad guy, as the man who you know killed JFK, and I remember uh, watching a video one time, and it was uh, a video talking about how his girlfriend was you know still professing his innocence, and so 
And that was one of the other things that, you know, made me sit down and really start kind of thinking of this. And Oswald's girlfriend, you know, continues apparently to this day. You know, Marina? To, I, I don't remember her name. It was just I remember seeing a video and it, it said that she was still professing his innocence. And, and yeah, but, you know, if the judge and the jury is the media and the people buy what the media sells then, you know, there's no way that you're going to get out, you know, out of the crime that has been put upon you. And so, you know, it's the, it's the, you know, crime of popular opinion and people don't take responsibility for the thought of that. And so, you know, what if other people have been, you know, killed in other incidents that, you know, they were just marked for death and, we're going to set this person up and, you know, we had a, a television program in the States called the fall guy. It didn't mean, you know, he was a fall guy, you know, a guy going to take the fall for anything. He was actually a stunt man. The phrase fall guy, you know, that person's going to take the fall. Uh, let's look at, uh, Marine Corps, uh, Marine Corps officer Ollie North, you know, he was the fall guy. You know, people above him were signing orders telling him to do what he did, you know, sell munitions around the world. And so, you know, it's like, but he's the guy who took the fall, you know, because he wouldn't have been able to, you know, do what he did without somebody else, you know, saying, go for it. Now, they may not have put pen to paper, but, you know, but at the same time, if somebody was responsible, they would have said, um, we see what you're doing. Stop it. Depends on whether you came from from a world where you actually have morals and ethics or whether you came from a world where, you know, we're going to do whatever we want to to whoever we want to and nobody can do anything against us. And that's where our nation has come to. It'll be interesting to see whether the real truth ever comes out. Stephen Rickett, thanks for joining us over the bonnet. Thank you.